Hi, welcome to Student of the Word. I'm Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're going to take a look at the love of God. In the last broadcast, we talk about the hatred of God, and at times it's our right to hate the works of the enemy, but we're always to love people. Today we're going to talk about the unfathomable, unthinkable, the greatness of the love of God. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here with us today. I began yesterday talking about the hatred of God and that there are certain times it is good in the Christian life to hate. We don't hate people, we hate what they do. And the verse we started with was Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, when Jesus arose into heaven and was going to be seated at the right hand of the Father, after he had done his 33 years of work on the earth, gone to the cross, died for us, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and was about to sit down, the Lord God, his Father, said to him, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And so it's our right to hate iniquity, hate the works of the enemy, hate the works of Satan, and the works that people do that are in line with Satan, but we love the people. We're going to talk about today the opposite of that. We're going to talk about the greatness of the love of God. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. That's where we will begin. Welcome to all of you who are here today for the first time. Glad to have you today. And uh, my teaching gift is to open the Word of God, explain it, and make it simple. And so everybody's always told me that through the years. I pastored for 33 years, and people would always say, I've looked at that verse before, never saw what you were talking about, but you just made it so simple. And to me, that's what the Word of God is. That is what my gift is. And so if you are watching today for the first time, just sit back, enjoy, welcome again. And I have some praise reports here that people have sent in. This one is from Jenny. And Jenny says, I have watched every day at such a feast for the Word of God. And so thank you, Jenny. Also, Marvin says, just awesome teaching and exclamation points past it. And so thank you again. Those of you who are watching, those of you who are blessed, and these are just a few of the hundreds that come in. I just select once in a while to read them to you. So again, thank you so much. And then if you're also watching today for the fourth or fifth time, welcome back and again, glad to have you here. But if you're one of my partners, I just want to thank you tremendously that you have taken on that knowing in your heart that we are joined together because you love the Word of God, love the way it's taught and say, man, if, that, if I was a teacher, that's the way I would teach. And that's how you look at a minister, the ones that you support and the ones you give honor to through your giving. And uh, those who are partners with me do that on a monthly basis. Would love to have you join them. If you've been watching for some time and you, you know, you just say, well, I, it's got to stop. Everything stops. I got to listen to Pastor Bob on the television. Then you're one that I would like to have become a partner with me. Why? Because there's a link between us. And so if you're an evangelist, follow after an evangelist. If you're a missionary, follow after missionary works. If you're a prophet, then follow. There's a lot of good prophets today. They're coming on today. And so again, that's a blessing. But if you're a minister of the Word of God, or you love the Word of God, you love the teaching of the Word of God, and you are truly a student of the Word of God, then and I'd love for you to join me and become a partner, become part of those wonderful crew that stands with me every single month in their giving and in their prayer support. If you'd like to become a partner, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there on the, on the uh, uh, face page where you can become a partner with me. So again, welcome. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, At the ascension of Jesus... 
into heaven as he was about to sit down at the right hand of the Father. The Father said to him, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Notice what he said was you've loved righteousness. Those are the acts and deeds that the people do, which are in line with the word of God. You also, here the point is, you love all people. You love the world, even those who have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You hate those. Uh, you hate the things they stand for. You hate the, uh, the beliefs they have. But on the other hand, you love the person because why? There's hope for that person. And they can abandon those views if they'll accept Jesus as Savior, grow in the Word of God, become a disciple of His. And so there's always an open door for them, but there's not for the unrighteous teaching they have. He goes on to say that you have hated iniquity. And so in this verse of Scripture is talking about the fact that there is iniquity in this world, and we are to hate those things in line with Satan. And Jesus even mentioned this in His teachings in chapter 23 of the book of Matthew, where He's just chewing out the uh, Pharisees and those that follow after the law and teach the law as a means of salvation or spirituality. And so there he's talking to those how they don't love people. They have no love and concept for people. They rip widows off and they take advantage of them. They take their money. And in all things they do, they do it to build up themselves. And so love is the opposite of that. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 tells us what we are to do with love itself. And in Romans 12, 9, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. This is self-centeredness. Let love be without self-centeredness. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Notice the things that are evil we are to hate and we are to love the things that come from God that are good, including those that are walking with God, those who are trusting Him. We have a special love for them. We have a love for the world, but there's even a greater love that comes when we begin to love those that are walking in righteousness and winning souls themselves. So here we have again, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13 says, Now abides faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. How much teaching do we hear today on faith? A lot. How much do we have on hope? And especially in the day we're living in, that we as Christians need a hope for tomorrow and a hope for the days to come. And our hope is in, first of all, God himself, and next of all, in his word. His word produces hope for us. But here's, notice this, but the greatest above faith and above hope is love. These three, the greatest of these is love. The love of God is what was displayed on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so the reason why God gave his son for this earth and for those that live here is that he wants us to accept him as Savior, and this is because he loves us. Out of love, he gave his son, and he gave his son for those he loved. And we are to do the same thing as far as loving those that are in the world. We don't like what they do. We hate what they do. We hate unrighteousness, but we love the people that are committing it. But the good news is, and we've studied this before, is the fact that Jesus went to the cross and died for all the deeds that man has done, which is ungodly. He died for their sins and forgave them, but he just let left one thing. And that's the one thing we need to see in others. He left one thing uncovered that they must do for themselves, and that is receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus died for every sin except one and left it to the individual. And that's why we can love them because why? As long as they're alive, they can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, become part of God's kingdom 
and then become part of those who are spreading the good news called the gospel. So it comes back to this, all gifts, whether spiritual gifts or ministry gifts, love is the greatest characteristic and motive to seek after. And then on top of that, we are to grow in love. So these are the things that Paul is telling us here. In fact, we started with the book of Hebrews in chapter one and verse nine. I offered the book on that broadcast. Now we're offering the same book again because it carries the same theme. And even though God is mentioned there that, that toward the Lord Jesus Christ, he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Those aspects are brought up throughout the book of Hebrews over the things we are to love and the things we are to hate. We are to love all people that are here. And that's why God left us here. But as far as the works they are concerned, we know that there comes a time we stand up against those, but we love the people committing it and offer them a chance to, to come away from that. There's something about a person's heart that even knows when they are committing iniquity, they know it's not right. So all the gifts again, whether spiritual gifts or ministry gifts, love is the greatest characteristic and motive to seek after and then to grow in. And that's what the Lord is telling us here. So we're to love people and at times hate what they do. The thing about it is, is I know there's ministers out there and oftentimes we as ministers, I know you may not believe this, but ministers compare themselves to other ministers, always looking for something they can improve themselves with and make their church greater. And it's our right to do that, but don't become a copycat of what other people do. My, my admonition to ministers always is if you go to a minister's conference and you see something you like, don't run home immediately and try to institute that because you're taking someone else's idea and trying to put it into your own church. Church. Study that idea, pray over it, see how you can make it your own. How does this apply to Bob? How does Bob come through with this and they don't see somebody else? How do we adapt this thing to make it form into our church? And sometimes I've even come up with the answer, I can't do it and realize something. It impressed me for the moment. It was not something for our church. But on the other hand, there have been things I have seen, watched other churches do, brought it home, talked it over with my staff, prayed about it myself, and we made it our own and it became a great success. And this is what I'm saying. God made you unique. And so there was something about being the uniqueness of a minister Brother Hagen talked about when I was teaching at Rama. He had all the student body there together and was talking about oftentimes jealousy exists in the ministry and quit being jealous of all these other people, envious toward them because they're so good. In fact, realize something, they may be good because they've really applied themselves and you can too. But what he was saying is it's okay to be yourself and not try to imitate and be somebody else because God didn't make you somebody else. There was only one Kenneth Hagin, one more Oral Roberts, only one Billy Gray, and we could go down the list. And how many people have taken their sermon and it's all right to take their sermon, but adapt it to you. Make it your own sermon where when it comes out, it doesn't sound like anybody else but you. And Brother Hagen told the Ramah students this one day. He said, some of you may be striving because you feel like your teaching ministry isn't as good as somebody else, and maybe it never will be that good. But he said, you can build a church on your uniqueness. And what he said was, a minister who loves his people will always have a growing and a thriving church. What a great revelation. And he mentioned the fact he knew some ministers, in fact, weren't really that good as far as teaching and admitted it. And they said they have trouble looking into deeper things of 
theology, but they said that's not what they want to do. They want to minister on, on you know, missions. They want to minister on evangelism. They want to minister on feeding people. And their church was built around that concept. And, and Brother Hagen said this. He said, when they stick to that and show that through this, this is how they love people. He said, you'll always have a growing church. Love draws people in. And sometimes we use the word of God, but we don't teach it in love. And so the word of God or anything you do in your church must be ministered in love. Loretta and I met the church we met at, the minister who was there admitted this. He admitted he brought people in that were better than him. He said, I bring in people that can teach better than I can, evangelize better than I can. But boy, there was one thing about him. He loved his people. He even admitted one time, he says, I think I only have about 20 sermons and I teach him halfway through the year. He said, then the next week I go back and start again, but I change the title on the sermon. So you don't know it at first, it's the same sermon. After you hear it, you say, well, you've taught that before. But what he was saying was, he said, this is what you know I do. I, I don't have that much good material. But one thing about him was he loved people and he loved his congregation. Everything he did, he did out of love. And that church was one of the fastest growing churches in the city. So there is no limit to anybody who can teach good and loves people at at the same time. Think about this. If you study God's word and become a good teacher, I'm not saying the greatest teacher that ever existed, just become a good teacher. But the motive behind it is you love people. You want to see people change. You want to see their attitudes change. And you want them to see people become productive for the Lord Jesus Christ. Your church will grow. I'm saying this to the ministers out there that probably have just wrestled with the fact there's other ministers better than you. I'm telling you, if you want to draw people in, what drove people to Jesus, most of all, beyond the uh, supernatural, beyond the teaching ability he had, the greatest thing that drew people in was the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that love be in you. It's the point where Jesus showed it and demonstrated it when he went to the cross and showed it and demonstrated it when he rose from the dead and shows it every single day to the, to the person who says, I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I'll see you right after the break. March the 7th through the 9th, Joseph Z will be joining me in a minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I know it's going to be a great blessing for you. If you're involved in any area of ministry, pastoral, teaching a class, or working in a church, but know you have a call to the ministry, I'd love to see you at the conference. Go to bobyandian.com and find information there. The first Hebrew believers turned Jerusalem and the world upside down. But in 70 short years, they had become bogged down in legalism by mixing Judaism and Mosaic law with their faith. This tainted doctrine crept into the rest of the church and provoked Paul to respond with an intricate and astounding revelation of Jesus Christ. In this New Testament commentary on Hebrews, Bob Yandian employs historic biblical detail and subtleties in the original Greek to dissect Paul's brilliant argument for the superiority of Jesus Christ the mature believer's walk, the reality of authority, and the importance of faith. To order this New Testament commentary on Hebrews, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. 
These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul explains love in that verse of Scripture. In fact, that whole chapter is dedicated to the highest thing. And in the closing of chapter 12, the closing verse says that there's something greater than the great ability to teach and great abilities to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, and that is the demonstration of love. Love seems to be that sandwich of those three chapters, 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12 discusses the gifts. Chapter 13 talks about love. And chapter 14 talks about the use of gifts in the local church. And what he simply says, saying is the real meat of that sandwich, not the bread on both ends, but the meat is the walk of love, the demonstration of love, God's love for us, our love for God, and then next of all, our love for each other. How important that is, and finally, our love toward the world, knowing that there's a world out there that needs Jesus and the thing that's going to draw them in is the love and concern we have for them. So just as Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he also tells us here that love is the main object and the main objective when desiring or functioning in a gift given to us from God, and whether your gift is prophecy or teaching or whatever gift you might have the Lord has given to you, understand the gift is not the most important thing. What comes through that gift is the most important thing. For those of you maybe who are first taking a church right now, you're just starting as a pastor, or you've been there for a while, and you're just looking to everybody else, looking for that secret that's going to make your church grow and draw people in. Understand this, it is no secret, openly, widely displayed in the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New. Anyone who is a leader and walks in love will attract people to them because so many churches browbeat people, so many churches chew them out, and God simply says that's not what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to represent the love of God and the outpouring of that love on the cross and Jesus' ministry with everything He do, signs, wonders, miracles, everything that Jesus did in that ministry He had was to show the love of God. So Jesus didn't come to primarily preach or teach. He came and preached and taught and healed and died as a proof that he so loved the world. What should be our motive in going out and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When is that verse is talking right there is he loved the people of the world. And we have no right to go out and minister to a certain group of people only. You may be called to a certain group of people, but when the opportunity comes, you minister to anybody. When you go out to witness on the streets, when you go out to witness wherever you work, it doesn't matter what their color, nationality, gender, whatever it may be, age or whatever, no, you minister the love of Jesus Christ to them. Because if they're a human being and still alive, Jesus Jesus Christ can save them. And you have, must understand that. So love was Jesus' motive for everything. Even the striking of the money changers was out of love for people that they were deceiving and even out of love for them because he loved them. And this is why he again took a lash to them 
and cast them out of the temple because they had made the church of the Lord himself an objective of making money and not to change and to train people's lives. Hypocrite is an interesting Greek word. It was a stage actor who hid behind a mask when playing in a drama or a comedy. And so what you saw was a big smile on their face because of this mask or a big frown on their face. But you know what? They might have had a smile on their face and on the inside just been unhappy. That person simply put a mask on, so that's what you see. And the word hypocrite, hypocrites in the Greek, literally means one who speaks from behind a mask. Hypocrisy is a poison which can make the best people and their actions become deadly. And they may have a love for people, but they ever get caught up in hypocritical things, they turn and they begin to go after other people instead of going to, to, to change their lives for the better. Our motive must be from love and without any self-desire at all. Now, I realize that is a goal because self-desire seems to creep into so many things, but our motive must be, I'm aiming for a time when the people will see I genuinely care for them and I have no self-desire in this. I'm not out to build a ministry. I'm not out just to build this church. I am out to win people one at a time, get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Next of all, become living examples for the Lord, become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And basically this, what the Word of God says is a little hypocrisy leavens the whole lump. A little bit of it spreads and hypocrisy will spread through your people. There are certain people that seem to be given toward hypocrisy. They think of themselves better than other people. And that's why I said a little bit of hypocrisy can leaven the whole lump. And Jesus described it as this way, as a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And that leaven here that I'm talking about is hatred toward other people, a love toward yourself. This is hypocrisy, seeing yourself as better than others. The stage of life must have people without masks to give genuine answers to a lost world. Love cares for and witnesses to the lost. Feeding the hungry and giving clothes shows love, but let it truly be out of a motive of love, not trying to draw any attention to yourself, not trying to draw anybody to come into your church only, understanding something. If all we get out of this is we have fed somebody and given them the gospel, that is the most important thing. The things we give to people whenever we go to minister to them is important. Why? Because they need the food, they need the clothing, the things like that. But don't let that be the only reason. The church is not just some organization that gives things away. There are other types of organizations in town that do that, and they're usually government-funded, and they're told, telling you, don't get your religion involved in this thing. We need to get our religion involved in it. We need to make the gospel because why? It's those works that we do that help draw people to us that we can give them the gospel. And they understand if they're going to get fed here in this organization, we're going to give them some clothing. They're also going to hear a 15 or 20 minute sermon on how important it is to give your life to Jesus Christ because you too can switch places with us. And once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and find out God loves you, and wants to meet your need, you can be on this end of it, giving the clothes and giving the food to others one of these days. That's what God's desire is for you, but it's not gonna come by just receiving a handout. It's gonna come by receiving the author of every handout, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Love can be falsely shown by a hypocrite. A pagan world 
and religion has nothing to offer except hypocrisy. The end of their faith is destruction. And when you follow after them, the end of your faith is going to be destruction unless you start out by giving Jesus Christ the authority and the position of rulership in your life. We are God's temple. We are the home of the Holy Spirit. And since God is love and His Spirit lives in us, the first thing out of our temple should be love for others. This is why Jesus Christ arose from the dead, went to the cross, was crucified. This is why He walked on this earth for 33 years, spent three years in public ministering to people, having people yell at Him, having people uh, come to Him, having people disagree with Him. But on the other hand, having many in the crowds that accepted Him, many in the multitudes that accepted Him, many who were healed and accepted him as Lord and Savior. This was what he came for. He came for the crowds, but he also came to minister to one person at a time. And we see this happening throughout the Word of God. In the Gospels, we see him ministering to Nicodemus, ministering to the woman at the well, individuals, because he cared for individuals as much as he cared for crowds. And really, when the crowds got big, there was times he even did things to thin them out and to find out because why? He asked them for their motive. What is your motive in following me? And their motive was, well, you're the hot thing right now. You're the greatest thing. Man, you're doing things nobody's ever seen before, so we want to follow you. But they didn't want to follow him to spread his gospel, to spread the good news. And that's why when it came right down to it, many after he challenged them, departed from him, went on their way. Jesus came out of the Father's love to show it to the world, and then he gave his light. It should be the same thing with us. We came out of the Father's love because when we accept him as Lord and Savior, we brought that love out with us. We had never found true love until we found the love of the Father. Father. That's what your church should be. That's what your Sunday school should be. That's what your home fellowship should be. That's what your class should be that you're teaching. And when you witness to somebody, it should be the same thing. I want to bring you out of the false love that the world has and bring you into true love that God had for you. And God loved you so much. He gave his highest possession, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, I want to give you my life also. I want to tell you about my Jesus. I want to tell you what he's done for me. I'm going to tell you something the world will not tell you, but I'm telling you that Jesus Christ died for you. And if you'll accept him as your Lord and Savior, you will find the greatest love that has ever existed. And in doing so, God will give you eternal life. And one day you'll be in heaven with him. You know, the greatest thing that comes at the moment we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior is found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Why do we have peace is the first thing. Because the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have peace in this life. What kind of peace do we have? From now until the time I die, I know that at the moment I die, if I am 50 years old or 80 years old, I'm going directly to heaven. My life on this earth is secure. But here's the next thing that brings peace. My eternity is secure. How did this all happen? Because God loved the world so much, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. From the moment I receive Jesus as Savior, I have entered into his life. And from the moment I accept him, from that time on throughout all of eternity, I am guarded and kept by God himself. His power overwhelms me. That's why I have 
peace in this life and also in the life to come. This comes from the love of God. The chief characteristic of our Father should be our chief characteristic for God so loved the world. Now, it takes a while for us to come to that point. When we first get born again, we're so grateful to God for what He's done. We're so excited to see what He's done in our life. The more that we begin to study God's Word, the more we come to church, the more we become a disciple, the more we gain a love for other people. And not only did God so love the world, we begin to so love the world. And because God gave His best, we give our best too. We give our time, our effort, and our life into the greatest thing that can happen, the only eternal thing that can happen on this earth, and that is people receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So many people are talking about their favorite candidate for mayor, governor, and even president of the United States. But I can tell you this, if some great person that you want to win becomes the president of the United States, angels will not rejoice in heaven. Why? Because it's temporary. He may be in there for four years and he might possibly be in there for eight years. But what's that in the light of eternity? You see, nothing on this earth is eternal. Even being filled with the Holy Spirit lasts while you're here. You won't speak in tongues in heaven. There'll be no healing in heaven because nobody there will be sick. All these things are for down here on this earth. But if a person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says angels rejoice. Why? Because it's the one eternal thing. Even if a person was raised from the dead, they're going to die again here on this earth. But eternal Eternal life comes when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So again, there is no definition of love given in our passage that we've just studied, but the characteristics of love are given there. And we'll talk about this tomorrow when we come back. We'll be continuing this on the love of God. We had one on the wrath of God, the anger of God toward the things that the world does, but now we're talking about something personal to God, and that is His love. The greatest of these is love. We'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.